Whiskey, whiskey, the singer's getting sore. We raise the roof now and we're lowering the floor. The band is blistering, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four. One, two, three, four. Way ahead of you. Way ahead of you. Just a couple, couple sips. sips. Welcome to the Whiskey Topic. It's Mark Bylock, and I'm here with Jamie Johnson. Back back again. Again. Hey. It's amazing. Um, It's almost like I have a little bit more downtime at home. You you know, I I don't know if you know the relevance of this date, Jamie, but uh, this is actually uh, Frank Sinatra's birthday. It's December 12th, the day we're recording on, not the day we're posting on. Um, I like how you claimed that as a piece of knowledge that you had instead of me just telling you that about 10 seconds ago. Well, it's because I have such fond, large, uh, what's the word, uh, encyclopedia of musical knowledge as our... (laughs) I, I mean, to be fair, when we first started recording our podcast, like in our in our original days, the the the, the funnest part of our interactions was you making sort of any pop culture slash musical reference, and me having no idea what you're talking about. I don't uh, think you could name a song by like the Beatles or no. like Elvis Presley. I think that's how this started. Where I was like, "Can you even name a song by the Beatles?" And you were like, "No." So I, no, nothing. I, I've got, <laughs> and, and and I think it was. I think it like originally like, oh, this will be a fun thing we do on the podcast. And I realized it was just a sad thing because I just knew nothing. It was like you can't make fun of somebody that knows absolutely nothing about something. It's <laughs> yes, just, <I> can. <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> it's just sad for the audience. So like, you know, like like um, our, our famous uh, like when uh, Bryce Simpson, our big brand ambassador, we we did that trip to uh, to Cornwall, and and he was testing me on my musical knowledge, I'm completely unaware of how little I knew. And, and and he just became sad. Like I I could literally yeah. see, I could literally see the sadness in his eyes. I'm like, Bri, like I you know like it's it's gonna be okay. And he just kind of went silent for a little while. I'm like sh- maybe, it, it's, but it maybe is it's okay. kind of shocking how little you know. It's almost like you've gone out of your way to avoid learning. And anything that I've like any like sort of like pebbles I've dropped about today or today's discussion or anything you've like picked up and you're like that's all the information I have for the day. <laughs> I literally go to Jamie. I'm like, I know nothing. I know these two things. And then Jamie said, oh, it's Frank Sinatra's birthday. So I decided to be a smart ass and say, hey, it's Frank Sinatra's birthday. Just led with it. So it's being like, oh, wow, Mark knows all this really important music stuff. This is really exciting. Yes, is today so is 12-12. It is Frank Sinatra's birthday today. Um, so hey. it's it's quite fortuitous. Our, our guest is here. Our guest is here. Nelson Eddy, the official, official Jack Daniels historian. Welcome to the podcast, Nelson. Welcome. It's great to be here and, and a great topic. <laughs> it's a great topic. And so I guess we should start by saying, why is, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra's birthday uh, a big deal uh, to Jack Daniels? What's that connection? Well, um, if there's anybody we could credit outside of Jack Daniels and the master distillers over the years for making this whiskey as popular as it is, it would have to be Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he was a huge fan. Carried Jack Daniels with him wherever he went. Uh, from the stage, he would call it the nectar of the gods. And so... Uh, we can we can literally track uh, when he got interested, our sales took off. Now there were a number of other factors, but if you had to point to one thing, you'd have to point to Frank Sinatra back in the fifties and you uh, know in, in a huge way in the nineteen sixties. You had a brand ambassador dedicated to following around Frank Sinatra during that time. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. I mean, uh, back in those days, it wasn't a brand ambassador. Uh, It was a salesperson. Right, right. His name's Angelo Lucchese, and uh, Angelo lived in Memphis. Uh, And I guess, you know, being an Italian, there's a kind of a network out there. And uh, when Frank was out of his Jack Daniels, and there was no Jack Daniels at the Coca Cabana, because back in those days, um, we couldn't make enough to keep up with all of the folks who uh, wanted our whiskey. So it was hard to come by. And uh, Frank put out the word, and word finally filtered back to this salesperson, uh, actually our very first salesperson, Angelo Lucchese. He was a friend of the Motlows who owned Jack Daniels. And, uh, well, when word got to Angelo, he went to uh, the chairman, Hap Motlow, and let him know, and the whiskey got to Frank, and the rest is history. Uh, Angelo became a close friend. He called Angelo shortly after he had received the whiskey, and he's he's reported to have said, Paisano, uh, you're my kind of man, and you're my friend for life. He gave Angelo a couple of phone numbers, and over the years, the two exchanged calls and whiskey, um, and it really helped grow this brand. That's awesome. I I mean, I think that, you know, when you hear a story like that and you hear, you know, sort of in years like after him, all, you know, every sort of rock star on the planet said, you know, that they felt like when they could put you know, a bottle of Jack on their rider, like they had sort of really made it. And so it seems like Frank was like the original and that all came from that. So like if you, you know, Jack Daniels became that sort of like symbol of like a rock star, it seems like almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, people like Bruce Springsteen will talk about when he shared uh, a Jack Daniels with Frank Sinatra. So Frank's influence um, on music in general has been significant and powerful. But actually, music and Jack Daniels goes all the way back to Jack Daniel himself. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he understood the importance of music. He was a great lover of music. We're talking back in, you know, the 1860s, Jack Daniels had uh, an upstairs ballroom in his home, which in a small town like Lynchburg, Tennessee, uh, that, that was pretty excessive a love of, of music. He had a Steinway Grand, uh, and he, he loved to dance. Um, he loved music so much that he paid a whopping $277.70 to Sears and Roebuck for them to send instruments and he could outfit a town band. And uh, that band was known as the Jack Daniels Silver Coronet Band. They played on the square in Lynchburg and drew crowds. And the reason Jack wanted that done is this is before Lynchburg was dry and he had two bars on that square and the White Rabbit and the Red Dog Saloon. And that kept people downtown, and when they got thirsty, they gravitated to his bars. So Jack understood way back in the 18... He actually started that band in 1892. So going back to the turn of the century, uh, Jack Daniels understood the power of music, and it's something that's powered this brand ever since. Yeah, I I agree. I think we talk a lot about, um, you know, the influence of whiskey on music and, 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 like, sort of 
vice versa, I guess, um, because so many, um, I mean, when you even just thinking about, you know, drinking whiskey and writing music and, you know, how many people are out there writing music about drinking whiskey. So it is one of those really interesting things. Like at the Balvenie, we even had um, our old uh, global brand ambassador who was just on the, the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, he uh, he recorded an album inside our maltings, like inside the malting floor. So it, I think there's this really great connection. And, and um, I've, I've always been really fascinated between that connection between like whiskey and music and and how it works. And there's we were talking, you know, I think years ago about their, you know, music actually being funneled and played inside warehouses of whiskey and the vibrations from the music are changing the way the whiskey matures in the warehouse. So there's so many different levels that you can sort of play with this on, which I think is really, it's so fun and, and, and wonderful. And I think one thing like Mark, you've always talked about, you know, the blending whiskey as sort of like a symphony. Like sometimes you'll, you know, pull apart a bunch of like single cask uh, and, you know, one will be slightly funky, one will be slightly strange or whatever. But when you, you sort of meld them all together, you've got this like beautiful sort of whiskey itself. And, and you know, when you hear a tuba line on its own or a bass line, maybe it doesn't make sense. But when you hear it all together with the orchestra, it kind of all makes sense again. So I think there's like so many levels that you can investigate the connection between music and whiskey. And it's just it's always so fascinating to hear, you know, when you think about the lead guitar player from Guns N' Roses slash always used to have like a bottle of jack on his amp so it's yeah it's one of those things where it's just sort of like many iterations of it uh, have come through in in years after frank for sure well I, I love that frank sinatra bought into the concept that the whiskey does change in the bottle because he must have because he always wanted to crack open a fresh <laughs> bottle drink from it and then he left it behind i assume it's because he understood <laughs> i heard that too i heard that that was that is that true nelson he he loved to crack a fresh bottle yes he always asked for a fresh bottle uh, be left for him uh, i think it's probably more because back in those days it was so rare that when an establishment had a bottle of jack daniels and it was empty they may have been tempted to put something else in the bottle or when it was getting low, dilute it. And so Frank asking that it be opened in his presence or that he crack it open, I think was more about him wanting to make sure what he was drinking was Jack Daniels. Right. He was worried about food fraud, essentially. (laughs) Whiskey fraud. That makes a lot of sense. Uh That's so fascinating. Um, So, the Sinatra Select uh, was actually one of my very first sort of significant whiskey purchases um, that I made on my own when I first started drinking because I, I sort of came into whiskey through American whiskeys. And, and so my husband's a very big Sinatra fan. Uh, and so it was a gift for him that I bought that Sinatra Select. And it was, oh my gosh, it went over so well. Like it's such a, it's such a great liquid. Um, and so you know, Jack Daniels has honored um, Frank with his own, his very own whiskey. Yeah, absolutely. Sinatra Select, uh, it's a great whiskey. Um, you know, we had to do something to honor Frank Sinatra. I know in this day and age, people will find this hard to believe. Um, but Frank, uh, did everything he did for Jack Daniels without ever being paid other than, you know, when he was traveling, we would make sure, cause 
because whiskey wasn't in our whiskey wasn't in Europe. And when he'd go to Europe, we'd make sure there were cases of Jack Daniels for him to put on his private plane. And we always got the benefit of that. I mean, mm-hmm. he he introduced Prince Rainier of Monaco uh, to Jack Daniels and, and so many people around the globe. Um, and with all that he did, uh, it, it, we felt we really needed to honor the man. He, he was never paid. Uh, we liked folks who sing and write and make movies that involve Jack Daniels to do it because they're friends and not because they've been uh, paid to do so. And and so Frank was one of those friends. And, and this just seemed like a, a nice gesture in, in return. I love that. That's great. Yeah. So Nestle, in, in your role, so, so as a, so as a historian uh, for this, what are, what are some of kind of, what are kind of some stories you would tell, uh, tell about the, uh, the Sinatra days and, and Jack Daniels? There are more stories to del- tell about Frank and Jack Daniels than we have time. There's a really great book. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really great book out there called uh, the way you wear your hat. And if you're interested in Jack Daniels and Frank Sinatra's stories, that's a great place to go. And it gives us a lot of information that we might not have known otherwise. But it really goes back to 1947. Apparently, Frank's in a bar in New York with a friend, Jackie Gleason. Um, Frank has not had luck with a particular woman. Uh, We don't know a lot about that part of the story. But what we do know is that he asked uh, Jackie Gleason, he said, you know, I'm in for a Uh, I want a serious drink tonight. What do you suggest? And Jackie Gleason looks over and says, have you tried Jack Daniels? Um, It was hard to find, and Frank said no, and he had his first Jack Daniels at that moment, and literally um, for the next 50 years, 50 years plus, Jack Daniels would be at his side on his airplane, gracing the stage uh, for, for the rest of his life, and even after his life. Um, Angelo Lucchese, who he spoke about earlier, was such a great friend of Frank Sinatra that he seated with the family at uh, at the funeral. And uh, he, he reported that uh, tucked in with Frank uh, for his eternal rest, there was a, a pack of camels, a roll of dimes so he could call his friends because he was always calling people in the middle of the night from a payphone, trying to get them up to join the party. So a pack of camels, a roll of dimes and a bottle of Jack Daniels. Um, he was the eternal fan. And in fact, if you visit um, in Palm Springs where Frank is buried, I'm guessing every time I've visited there, there has been either a, a small miniature that's full or an empty bottle of Jack Daniels oh. that's been freshly oh, poured out at his grave. <laughs> that's amazing. That's awesome. Yes, I have actually heard that uh, that Frank was a very uh, – he was known for keeping people up late, but one of the things that I remember hearing um, was that the only person that was ever able to get out of, of this was Dean Martin – that Frank never forced him to to stay up late. He would he would force everyone else to stay up late and party with him. But Dean Martin was allowed to go because he had his golf game the next day, and uh, apparently that was <laughs> sacred. So I did hear I did hear that as well. But yeah, known for keeping people up at all hours. Hey, you're right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> Dino would uh, 
It took a while for it got to the point where Frank wouldn't try to lure him out. Yeah. He wouldn't answer the phone. He wouldn't answer the door. He did his best. It, it's interesting. Dino was more of a scotch drinker. He was not the Jack Daniels fan that Frank was. Mm-hmm. But on stage, when he was supposedly uh, a bit tipsy, he was only drinking apple juice on stage. He mm-hmm. wasn't drinking scotch. Now, mm-hmm. Frank, on the other hand, would drink Jack Daniels on the stage and lift it up and go, you know, this is the nectar of the gods. And then uh, Sammy Davis Jr., part of the Rat Pack, mm-hmm. um, would drink Jack and Coke, which Frank at that time thought was an abomination. But <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot of whiskey drinkers nowadays, too. Wow, he's, uh, I didn't realize he's a purist. That's amazing. I, I, I didn't even occur to me that uh, he just, yeah, so he read, drank it on the rocks or neat. That was it. Yep. Well, he he and and we'll we'll do this a little bit later. But yeah, he enjoyed it with three ice cubes, typically, um, then two fingers of Jack Daniels, and then a splash of water. And if you put too much water in it, if he, a bartender put too much water, he said, you know, I'm drinking, I'm not fishing. <laughs> I'm drinking, drinking, I'm not swimming in it. <laughs> Frank would just invent stuff uh, around Jack Daniels. Uh, You know, this was a a rolling cocktail party called the Rat Pack, and and they were friends, and they had a whole lot of fun, and and whiskey was kind of a part of that. But, um, you know, he was known. He had this blazer. He had this blazer, and there's a famous photo of him wearing it um, when he's uh, practicing for the JFK inauguration. And on this blazer, there is a crest. And the crest is, if you look real closely, you'll see it's for the Jack Daniels Country Club. Oh. Which there is no Jack Daniels Country Club. <laughs> I was going to say, can I join? <laughs> yeah. It only existed in Frank's mind. There was no golfing. There was only drinking. And uh, he wears this same blazer when he's getting off the plane in the U.K., and we have an article where they've, they've, the Pavarazzi have shot pictures of him getting off the plane. He's wearing this blazer. And they wanted to all were interested to know what royal family uh, the crest was for. Well, it was American royalty, of course. It was Jack <laughs> Daniels, the Jack Daniels Country Club. <laughs> I love that. I love all these stories. This is so great because it's, you know, we talk around so much about like, you know, the liquid itself and and we get really geeky sometimes. But this is sort of like, you know, we're talking about so many different things here. We're talking about art and pop culture and this sort of phenomenon. Like you can sort of, there's there's kind of no one bigger ever uh, than Sinatra. And so it's uh, it's really fascinating to me to hear all these like stories and, and to, to talk about them and to bring those out instead of, you know, just sort of getting geeky about whiskey. Like this is this is right up my alley. And you're right about, you know, his influence in terms of if you think about the day in which Frank was performing in his heyday, Frank would be, you know, big in recording. He'd be big on the radio. He, his live shows were huge, and, and his live shows in Vegas were huge. And then he was in the movies as well. So if you think about it, he covered every, nearly every uh, possible media uh, that was out there. And um, to give you an idea, back in 1956, Jack Daniels was under 
100,000 cases. Well, shortly after Frank starts announcing from the stage it's the nectar of the gods, the brand uh, will more than double in sales. And if you know anything wow. about whiskey, if it doubles in sales, you got to wait a while for the whiskey to mature and, yeah. and to put up enough. So we were in allocation from, I would say, the late 50s to the 1960s. Allocation means we couldn't make enough. Uh, a salesperson's job was to deliver the whiskey, not to, to try to sell it. We were in allocation from the early 1960s to right at 1980. So for 20 years, uh, a salesperson would go into a store and say, here's how many bottles or here's a case, but you couldn't order all that you wanted. And it's, it's largely because of the power of Frank Sinatra. Wow. I mean, I don't know if that could ever be replicated, to be honest. I, yeah. It's it's hard to imagine that ever happening again. It, it, someone with that control of of the media, mm -hmm. it, it's, it really is hard to imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we're grateful, though, that, you know, Frank has inspired so many, many others. There's a laundry list of recording artists and, you know, it's it's prevalent it's prevalent in the rock and roll age, and I think that's primarily because of this whole idea that Sinatra embodied and Jack Daniels embodies and rock and roll and, and really virtually every musical artist embodies. And that's the idea of independence, mm -hmm. this independent spirit. And I don't know if it's the square bottle or the black label that goes so well with, you know, the black so many uh, artists wear. Um I don't know what it is, but or it's the name Jack, uh, mm -hmm. that name. But for whatever reason, uh, it's been an associate of many, many a musician. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll I'll never know what the first whiskey I've ever had was, um, but but I'm I'm pretty sure it was Jack Daniels. At least certainly the mm -hmm. one, the bottle that if somebody brought Jack Daniels, you were just like, it, it, I think my reference was more Guns N' Roses and, you know, Slash at the mm -hmm. time. Uh, but just you would know that 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 tying with the kind of music and, and, and rebellion and, and, and all that was such a, it was so tightly intertwined. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but but back then I probably drank it with Coke, so I would have... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Frank would not have been pleased not, about not that. Have, <laughs> not, not have been pleased, uh, uh, my barely 19-year-old <laughs> self. Uh, the legal drinking age of, of Ontario was 19. Um <laughs> So, but but that but that that is that is interesting, kind of that. But that bottle and that that's the the symbolism that comes behind it, and, it, and also I think it affects today's whiskey drinkers because I do think a lot of a lot of uh, people drinking that started on wh drinking whiskey in the eighties and nineties probably started on Jack Daniels and probably started on Jack Daniels and Coke. Mm -hmm. um, it, I imagine that's influenced a lot of people. Uh, you know, not only on their feelings on Jack Daniels or whiskey, um, but also just just drinking whiskey in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, not to disparage Jack and Coke. Uh, there are, uh, that's the number one way Jack Daniels is consumed is with Coca-Cola. And, and there's musicians who've enjoyed it like that. I mean, to the point that the fans of Lemmy and Motorhead uh, tried to pass a petition, I don't know to whom, but they wrote us and said they'd really like us to rename um, Jack and Coke, the Lemmy. Well, the only problem with that is we weren't responsible for naming it to begin with. It's it's people. Yeah. So if they convince enough people to change the name, I guess they will. But uh, 
Lemmy enjoyed a Jack and Coke. Um, and, then, and then you've got, you know, the great bass player for Van Halen, uh, Michael Anthony, uh, who enjoys Jack Daniels so much that he makes a bass, and actually a series of basses that he used in performances over the years that was shaped and decorated to look like a Jack Daniels pop. Again, that's that like whiskey and music sort of connection, right? That you've got, yeah, this is, it's such a, it's such a cool connection. So Nelson, would the, the old number, so I'm, you know, classic old number seven, would it have been the same, like if I went out and, and, and grabbed my bottle, would it be the same sort of style, flavor, recipe that Frank would have had, or has it changed over the years since the 1950s to what we currently have available in the market? Uh, the, the recipe uh, that it's made with, you know, the, the amount of corn and uh, b- barley malt and rye, all of that stayed the same. The charcoal mm-hmm. mellowing, uh, the way we do it goes all the way back to Jack. All that's the same. Now, mm-hmm. I will say, in 150 years, um, we've gotten better at doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, our barrels are better today than they would have been in Jack Daniels' time. Mm-hmm. We know more about barrel houses and which ones perform better. Um, you know, we, we have a saying around here um, that uh, things may be the same age, but they don't have the same maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, much like people. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not making a commentary on anybody on this uh, podcast. <laughs> Age and maturity doesn't um, uh, go hand in hand. Things mature differently depending on what they've been exposed to. And it's the same uh, with whiskey. Whiskey that's in the upper floors of a warehouse or in a barrel house that's on the hill uh, and has great airflow and sunshine, it'll mature quicker. So um, I will say maturity, we, we've probably gotten better at maturing the whiskey. All that to say, the Jack Daniels that Frank drank and the Jack Daniels today, the only difference there is, it was 90 proof in his day, and that's why Jack Daniels Sinatra Select is at 90 proof. Got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've also done some things to enhance the whiskey uh, because we've learned so much about barrels and the fact that we make our own barrels. Um, we've done some things to enhance the whiskey to give it a bolder flavor because we felt, you know, Frank was a bold individual and a, uh, a very bold character. And so we wanted the whiskey to reflect that. Yeah, and and more recently, uh, you've come out with with rye, the the, the rye recipe, um, and and you know have single uh, single barrel bottlings and things of like that to really, um, and and I'm really impressed with the rye. I have to say the um, uh, the Jack Daniel's rye is such a fantastic whiskey that that's just you know. Uh, that that just hit the mark perfectly. The the moment mm-hmm. it came out, it was just right there where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with kind of bold, su- sweet recipe as well. Yeah, yeah, and you know, all of those new things that we've done over the few years, it's because we finally caught up to uh, the demand Frank generated. <laughs> uh, uh, after the eighties, you'll see us uh, in 1987 or in 1988. We developed it in 87. In 88, we introduced Gentleman Jack, and it's because 
we finally had enough whiskey, we could do some other things with it. We also really didn't go international in a big way until the 1980s. And again, that's because we were still catching up to the demand that Francis Sinatra had created. That's amazing. Well, um, it is, it is uh, Frank Sinatra's birthday, um, and Nelson, I don't think you had a drink yet. I, I already poured my, I've got my uh, Jack Daniels rye. Uh, I think Jamie's yep. got a hers. Classic, classic. Uh, and so we, uh, so Nelson, I think it's uh, your turn to pour yourself a drink. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm glad we've gotten to this point. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to pour a drink the way that, that Frank did it. I'm going to do it with Jack Daniels Sinatra Select. And it, the Sinatra Select's got orange accents on it, and that's because Frank's favorite, um, favorite color was orange. So mm-hmm. we've, we've honored that, though the dominant color is the black of the famous Jack Daniels. So he had three ice cubes, and I hope you can hear this. Uh, let's see if you can hear these ice cubes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, one more. Okay. Now I'm going to pop the bottle. We'll see if you can hear that. Yeah. Yep. That's great. I'm going to pour two fingers. Yeah. I'm getting thirsty. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> now I've got to put a splash of water, and I've got that here. Just a splash. <laughs> Jamie, I've got an idea. We're just going to start every podcast with people pouring whiskey because that, that's not delicious. This is, I know. It's, it, honestly, it's making me thirsty. We, we've done the cork pop reason. since forever, but the pouring. Oh. This is fantastic. This is a dark, bold uh, whiskey. We, the, the thing that really makes it different, and we call them Sinatra barrels. And, and what we've done is we groove, after it's toasted and charred, we groove, put grooves in, the inside of the barrel. And people go, well, well, what does that do? Well, it increases the surface area of the barrel by cutting the grooves. And so the whiskey has more surface to soak in and out of it because all of a whiskey's color, or at least um, a Tennessee whiskey and a bourbon, it's not true of all whiskeys, but Tennessee and a bourbon, all of its color and most of its flavor comes from the barrel itself. So that's why the barrel is so important and why working with barrels over 150 years, we've learned a whole lot. But that's one of the secrets about uh, Jack Daniels Sinatra Select that makes it so bold and still smooth. And the Sinatra Select wasn't the only Sinatra-themed uh, whiskey that you guys came out with because you had the Century, the Sinatra Sinatra Century come out as well, which was um, uh, 100 barrels, 100 proof on his 100th birthday. Is that Absolutely. correct? You've done your homework. I have done my homework. I have. <laughs> yes, we did that on, you know, the 100th anniversary of Frank Sinatra, uh, Sinatra Century. It came in, in really an outstanding carrying case because... Frank carried his whiskey wherever he went, and he traveled a lot, so we put it in a nice carrying case. It had a tie clip in it, which also uh, was a jump drive that had a uh, previously unreleased uh, Sinatra recording on it, and uh, people could enjoy that. That's 
awesome. That's, That's so amazing. cool. And uh, right now you guys have the new, um, I think it's a replica of Sinatra's flask that's coming out at Duty Freeze, I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, but over the holidays? Yes, yes. It's a, it's a beautiful flask. It's got uh, Frank's initials on it. It includes, it's a flask. It's leather covered. And at the bottom of that leather cover is... Uh, some uh, tin or metal, I should say, shot glasses. Uh, so you can not only, you know, you've got the flask, but it's, it's, everything's there for you to enjoy. You can enjoy your drink immediately, and as a gentleman does, in some type of container rather than, you know. I, I, once, had, um, I once had a newspaper contact me, and they were doing this special section, and it was on how rock and roll stars... Uh, enjoy Jack Daniels and they wanted recipes that the rock stars used. They wanted to know, you know, they'd seen that uh, Tommy Lee of Motley Crue and uh, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger of Rolling Stone and Plant and Page and so many others were enjoying Jack Daniels. So they wanted to know the recipe. And so I had to tell them the recipe, which is unscrew cab. <laughs> We don't advocate drinking straight from the bottle. We prefer it done the way Mr. Sinatra did, and that's why there are these uh, shot glasses in uh, that with that Frank Sinatra flask. Um, that's very cool. And I'm assuming you're joining your Jack Daniels right now, Nelson. It's uh, tasting really good for you, I assume. Yeah, please keep talking longer so I can enjoy <laughs> You can actually have a sip of whiskey. Well, I was going to uh, ask you, Nelson, how do you, you're, you're enjoying your, your Sinatra Select as Sinatra would have had it. What's your, what's your go-to way to enjoy a, a, a splash of JD? I, I'm kind of a purist. I, I hold nothing against our many, many friends who uh, mix their Jack Daniels because Jack Daniel himself uh, drank his whiskey as a cocktail. He... Uh, he would create a julep that he drank on his back porch. Uh, it's reported about every evening when he came home. He had a farm, and he would sit on the back porch, look over his farm, and he mixed his whiskey like a julep, which is, you know, simple syrup or uh, water with sugar uh, dissolved into it. And then instead of a mint leaf, though, Jack Daniel used tansy. Now, tansy is a medicinal herb. Um, if you had too much of it, it would be poison. So I guess some people <laughs> refer to it as, as liquor as poison, you know, have your, choose your poison. But, uh, he didn't drink it with that much tansy in it. Anyhow, long story short, uh, Jack Daniels himself drank his whiskey as a part of a cocktail and we respect all the purists and we respect as Jack did. And he was one who enjoy whiskey as a cocktail, be it Jack and Coke, be it, Manhattan. Um, we we think the way you need to drink your Jack Daniels is the way you enjoy it. For me, it's probably a Jack Daniels single barrel mm -hmm. barrel proof. Yes, mm -hmm. that's delicious stuff. That's the purest expression of Jack Daniels. Um, you know, years ago we used to take people into a, a barrel house, and I'd be there, and we drill a barrel at the top floor. And here it would pour out of that barrel and we put it in glasses and we would sample it there in the barrel house. And it was surprising that it was about 130 proof. At 130 proof, how rich the flavor was, how the alcohol wasn't overpowering 
because the flavor was so rich. Mm -hmm. And we always thought, wow, this would be something. Mm -hmm. Well, it's taken us a number of years to get there, but it's the purest expression of Jack Daniels. It's the way a taster or a master distiller might sample the whiskey when they're drilling a barrel. Um, so I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. It's the type of thing you want to sip at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I have it with, uh, first I drink a little bit neat, then I put in an ice cube or two and nurse it uh, with a good book or some research that I'm doing for Jack Daniels. I love that. Wow. Next time I go to the distillery, I'm going to have to call you up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Please do. Give me an excuse. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with sipping whiskey straight from a barrel. And no, I think that's, no. you know, that's like Mark and I are obviously, you know, big fans of big, big whiskeys. And I mean, it's it always feels like such an honor when you get to try something straight from the cask. And then, you know, when when they've gone ahead and, and casked it or bottled it on its own as a single cask and you can actually buy it on market the way that, you know, it was sort of meant to be drank originally. I think it's such a great thing and such a great concept. And, and it's such a treat for whiskey lovers to try something that, you know, they, they probably wouldn't normally be able to get their hands on. So uh, and I'm a huge fan of those single barrel uh, Jack Daniel. I think they're just spectacular. I've had more than my fair share of single barrel Jack. <laughs> I will tell you one thing people might not know is uh, I know that some, they call it barrel proof or they'll call it cask strength usually, mm-hmm. and it'll all be the same proof bottle after bottle. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you get a Jack Daniels uh, single barrel barrel proof, mm-hmm. each bottle is labeled uh, the proof will vary from barrel to barrel. Right, right. And so if you look carefully at those bottles, you might see 127 proof or 131 might be uh, one of the higher proofs I've seen out there. You'll see a variety of different proofs. And not only is every barrel different in flavor, because uh, every barrel is an individual, has its own character. And uh, so the joy of single barrel is you might have already – you might be a fan of Jack Daniel's single barrel, but if you continue to explore it, uh, it's from a different barrel. It's going to be a different whiskey, and it may be at a different proof. I love that. Yeah, I do, too. It's all the, the fun of it. Of it. Yeah. It's such a fun – yeah, it's part of the the sort of the, the cheekiness of the, the whiskey. And, and, you know, barrel to barrel, you never know what you're going to get. You know, you can put two barrels, same kind of barrel, side by side, made for the same tree for the same amount of time, and you can get two very different whiskeys. So it's always sort of part of the fun and magic of, of whiskey making for sure. And to have them released and on market is, is always really, really fun. No, I, I agree, and I, and I think I think uh, the the Jack Downs, like you said, the single barrel, the rye the rye program is just mm. uh, magnificent whiskey. That uh, um, yeah, I, I can't say enough about it. It's 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 available too, which is kind of one of those things where you're always like, oh, what's what's some, you know what's what are great whiskeys you can buy, and it's 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 always hard to find whiskeys that are available at a lot of stores, and, mm-hmm. and you can always pick up a Jack Daniels, mm-hmm. um, and, and certainly uh, and certainly it's kind of moved along with with with. Uh, the audience and, and it always started there, I guess too. But I guess the one thing that Jack Daniels maybe never got, uh, and Nelson, correct me if I'm wrong, but it never seemed to have gotten trapped in is you know you have all the history of the the 80s and 90s where where a lot of bourbon manufacturers and especially were were toning down their their whiskeys because they wanted to attract that they want to keep along with the vodka crowd and, and and have like these less flavorful whiskeys. The the Wild Turkey 81 is a good example, right? They they tone it down to 81 percent to kind of go after that audience. Uh, but the Jack Daniels, at least 
just from my understanding, never really was that. It never felt toned down to me. It always felt like I was drinking whiskey. Yeah, I, I, the one, the one, uh, the one time in our history, straight out of prohibition, uh, we obviously don't have whiskey in the warehouse. Lem Motlow's running the operation, and uh, he is not going to to get cash flow because he's putting up all this whiskey and he's got to pay for the grains and the labor. He's not going to put the name Jack Daniels on a, on a one-year-old product, but he needs the cash flow. So, you know, I have to take my hat off to uh, Lamb's recognition of his uncle Jack Daniels' name on the bottle because he will bottle a one-year-old whiskey and he'll call it Lem Motlow. And we sold Le Motlo up until, I think, 1990, a one-year-old whiskey. Uh, he would also, you know, green label for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And still to this day is a less mature whiskey. Uh, it's not available in all markets. Uh, but those expressions of Jack Daniels, because of the need to have cash flow coming out of Prohibition, mm-hmm. were less flavorful uh, renditions. But... That's why they didn't earn the black label. Uh, that's always been reserved for our uh, whiskey at peak maturity, what we feel is the very optimum ma- maturity. And then for people who want a deeper flavor, uh, we do things like the single barrel. That's great. And so I know, I know that you're a historian, Nelson, but um, what um, if you're able to... Uh, share with us what are we to look forward to from Jack Daniels over the next little while we've seen all these great extensions and we've seen you know you know always with the classic and then some really really beautiful stuff coming out of the distillery but is there anything that you're allowed to tell us about that we might see around the corner well I'll tell you what this whole (laughs) idea of new Jack Daniels I started my career in 1987 when they were working on the very first whiskey they were going to introduce since Prohibition. And it was called the Hilltop Project. And a year later, it was introduced as Gentleman Jack. So it took them 100 years to get to that first one after Prohibition. (laughs) And then there's been a steady stream since. If you really want to know things that they're working on, Mm -hmm. you really need to go down to Lynchburg, Tennessee, where they've introduced these Tennessee tasters, just little things that they've learned and discovered. Um, They have a a reunion barrel, Tennessee taster. It's available in Tennessee, but you can get it at the distillery. And it is Jack Daniels. Um, After we're done with our barrels, um, they're used by the scotch industry. Tabasco uses our barrels to age Tabasco sauce. They're used in all kinds of ways, but some of these barrels were sent to a Tennessee whiskey maker who put a red wine in the whiskey and matured it and or finished it and then delivered those barrels back to us for us to finish some whiskey in. So that's why it's called reunion barrel. And those reunion uh, with the whiskey that came out of that, we bottled as Tennessee tasters reunion one. So that's one thing that's out there. I don't know if it'll become a full-fledged whiskey, but Mm -hmm. if you go to the distillery and you try the Tennessee tasters, um, there's always something interesting. One of the latest ones that I've tasted, for those of you who like rye, Mm -hmm. was a Jack Daniels rye barrel proof 
So it's the single barrel rye, but it's at barrel proof, which something that hasn't been bottled in, in a in a major way. But it's available as a Tennessee taster. So you're, if you're interested, what's next? You might uh, see what we're exploring at least mm-hmm. if you visit the distillery. And it's a beautiful distillery. Mark, have you been to the distillery? Have you no, been to that? No, oh, I've never it's, been. Oh, it's great. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. It's a good one for sure. Definitely worth the trip for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And if you come down, let me know. And uh, I'd be happy to uh, enjoy a uh, barrel, uh, whiskey from a barrel. Oh, yeah. We uh, always, we say yeah. yes to that immediately. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll just, I'll just get in the car after this and I'll be there tomorrow. It'll be fine. It's true. It's true. It's not that far a drive. No, no, no. Although it is further than Kentucky. I have to keep my myself of that. It is. It's another like, few hours. It's another few hours, but it's... But, uh, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. Fantastic. That's great. Um, well, yeah. So, Nelson, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. This is so great to be here on Frank's birthday uh, with some fun new stuff coming out, just enjoying some stories and stuff. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, and and Nelson, we'll ask you to uh, hold still so that we can do the – you're going to do an extra story – uh, a fun story for their Patreon supporters. So we'll uh, have that posted on the patreon.com website. Uh, and so we'll ask you to stand by for a little bit longer, but, but uh, thank you so much. Are you on uh, social media yourself? I, I don't even, I, I don't even know. Well, um, no, I don't really promote a social media for the Jack Daniels historian, but if they want to learn more about Jack Daniels, they can always go to jackdaniels.com. And there's some great articles written about you as well. So we'll, we'll post uh, those in the show notes as well. If, uh, if you want to read more about you. Um, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Nelson, Thanks, I really appreciate Nelson. that. Uh, sure. Jamie, where can yes. people find you? You can still find me at Bourbon Thing. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, Jamie, you and I are going to, next week, we're going to record our Christmas episode. Our, um, I, I think we're going to do, we're not, well, mm, are we going to do a Festivus episode or a Christmas episode? Uh, we're going to do mean, a game show episode. I know yes. that much. Yeah, we're going to do a game show episode. So it promises to be something. I, it, it does. Ja- Jamie and I have discussed it ahead of time. This is as much planning as we've ever done for an episode. So, um, uh, so it promised to be something. Yeah, it will that's... be hilarious. <laughs> so uh, that that and those that will be released uh, the week of Christmas, uh, probably on the twenty fourth of December. Um, so Nestle, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm at Mark Balak, M A R K B Y L O K. Do follow Jamie and uh, Jamie and us, uh, Jamie and myself on Instagram. Uh, we we're pretty active on the stories and all that good stuff, and you can share in the fun that we have every day drinking whiskey. Uh, and Nelson, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Nelson. Cheers. 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 Cheers.